Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. All right, really excited to open up the Bible and um, speak to you today. We're in our, in our time of uh, Lent as a church. We're focused and thinking a bit more about prayer and fasting and other things like that. And I want to speak to you today about seeking the Lord. I want to, I want to unpack uh, what it means, there's three things I want to teach about seeking the Lord. The first thing, just to explain, what do I mean by seeking the Lord? Uh, the second thing is, um, is to assure you that it's time and effort well spent, which is really important. Because if you're not convinced of that, you ain't going to do it, bottom line. Uh, and the third thing uh, is to call us to seek him together. So, we're going to try and unpack what it means, just so we've got some good teaching on, on the idea. Um, and then assure you, I want to assure you from Scripture that it's time and effort well spent. And then call us to seek Him together. What does it mean to seek? It's a little bit different from... It says that there's, a, there's, a, there's an intensity about it beyond just looking. Um, seeking it involves a bit more intent. Anyone here not very good at looking for stuff? I'm terrible at looking for stuff. I could, you know... Davina's brilliant at looking for stuff, my wife. So she doesn't always trust my looking skills. And there comes a point sometimes where you've got to go from looking to seeking. Seeking means moving stuff. Well, that's like revolution, moving stuff. Wow. Like lifting stuff up and looking underneath it. Okay, we're talking proper. That's, that's seeking. You, start, you have to bend, up, bend down and look underneath things. It's a whole new level of looking. Um, Seek it, the, the, the best way to understand seeking might be a surprise for you because the sermon is about seeking the Lord. But I think perhaps the most uh, vivid and helpful um, understanding of seeking the Lord, of, of, of the idea of seeking, we can find in Luke chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible with me, please turn to Luke 15. We'll be going through a few scriptures um, today. We're going to look at Luke chapter 15. We're going to start there in verse 8. Who read the story in, on the news this week about the, uh, the, the, the cab driver in Liberia who found a bag on the road of $50,000? Who read that? Yeah, yeah. Very, uh, very poor guy. Um, found, a, found um, I think it's on the roadside or somewhere like this, a bag of $50,000. Gave it to his auntie to look after while they waited for the person who lost it to come forward. The man lived in, po- in poverty. And then the person came forward. He returned it. Completely. I mean, it's serious integrity. And, um, but as a result, these wonderful things have happened in his life. It's, uh, uh, but, but imagine, put yourself in the shoes of the person who lost the money. You know, you think, that's it. There's no way. It's gone. Luke 15, verses 8 to 10. What woman, having sent ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house? And seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here we have a woman seeking diligently. And interestingly, Jesus is using this image not to describe how we seek God, but to describe how God seeks us. You see, the context of Jesus telling this parable is that people were grumbling. Particularly upright, good living people were grumbling. Why? Because Jesus was spending time with sinners. 
spending time with the people you shouldn't be spending time with. They were grumbling, they were murmuring. He heard it, he understood, he could read people's hearts. He knew what was going on. So he tells this story and he says, actually, there's an amazing joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. But he sets it, he frames it with this, this story of this woman who's she's lost a silver coin. And look, look, at, look at what she does. Let's spend some time here. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She's getting in all the corners. She seeks diligently until she finds it. And then she rejoices with her neighbours. This is the journey of seeking that God does with us when we get saved. Ever felt yourself in a corner, somewhat, forgotten, lost? This is the heart of God for sinners. It's a wonderful picture, powerful, powerful picture. It's the gospel. The gospel Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. I, I called you by name. I found you when you were lost. You must never tire of that. You must never get familiar with that. Because these are good things to meditate on. But he sorts us out. And I want to just say to those of you, first of all, who, who you don't yet know Jesus personally. You, you can't hand on heart and say, I'm a disciple, I'm a believer. That's not where you're at. How do you know when he's seeking you? I'll just give you a few little markers how you know when the Lord is seeking you. Number one, there will be a growing distaste for darkness and sin. You'll find that you're, you're having your fill of living life your way. It will just be, it's not satisfying anymore. Something begins to happen on the inside where you go, something's not right. A growing distaste for things that aren't righteous, things that aren't godly. Along with that, there'll be a growing desire for the things of God. Something will be happening in you where you go, I want to find the truth. If there's a God out there, I want to know him. I tell you, when that starts happening in your heart, that's a sign that God is seeking you. That's a sign the Spirit of God is at work in your life. People don't, do not think that way naturally. Along with that, you also find that the claims of the gospel no longer seem stupid or as stupid as they did. You'll start going, well, maybe there's some truth in this. When that's happening, you're being sought by God. Because the Bible says that the gospel, the message of Christ crucified, is folly to those who are perishing. It's nonsense. It's silly. But to us who are being saved, Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. We get it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit opening our eyes. The point is this. Something begins on the inside. And my exhortation to you, if that's you, you think, yeah, that, wow, that's, how do you know? Maybe you feel like I'm reading your mouth. How do I, what, what, what do I do? What well, it says here in Isaiah 55 verse 6, it says, seek the Lord, while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. If God is seeking you, turn and start seeking him. Start to read the Bible, ask the question, start to pray and say, God, if this is you and you're out there, show me yourself. Take it seriously. Don't waste any time. Put aside, put aside things that are a waste of time that you could come to know God. Those of us who do know the Lord, you have been found by Jesus. And in this same passage, there's this wonderful picture where you've got the lost coin, you've got the lost, you've got the lost son, and also you've got the lost sheep. And listen, just this, this, is, this is you, if you're a believer. It says this, it says, uh, 
What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Listen, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So the shepherd, he'll take the back legs there and the front legs there and he'll sit the thing over his shoulders and he'll walk with it. And he's singing songs of delight. I've found the lost sheep. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God for broken sinners. If you know the Lord, that means the Lord has sought you. He has found you. He is carrying you on his shoulders like a delighting shepherd. How about that? So important we understand that. Because if we're talking about seeking the Lord, it only comes out of knowing you've been sought by him and found. If it's just seeking God to try, I don't know, it's kind of just based on something you ought to do or something someone's told you to do or something that, you know, then there's no life in that. It just becomes tiresome, wearisome. It just becomes stressful. But when you understand where you are, you are seated on his shoulders and he's walking along and singing songs of love over you. Okay, maybe, maybe, okay. Maybe this is going to be a very exciting and joyful experience, which I want to put to you, seeking God is. I want to put to you that seeking God is a glorious pursuit. It's, it's, it's looking for the one who has already found you. It's this strange blend of, I know him, but I want to know him more. It's not looking for someone that you don't know. It's not looking from a place of discouragement. It's this sense of, I've been, I've been found, and as a result of being found by him, something has happened in my heart, and I want to know him more and more and more. For those of us who have believed, this is where it starts, with that cry that, Jesus, your Lord, and baptism, and you know where it ends? It ends with a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Face-to-face. I'm talking about at the end of all things. The Bible says where God himself will dwell among his people and he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. I love that imagery. I love it. It's so personal. It's so personal. Any of you have got kids or you're a teacher or you've got nieces and nephews when they're little and they cry and you just take your thumb and just wipe that tear away. It's an act of such tenderness. So personal. It's not stop crying. It's different, totally different from that. So wiping away the tear. It's what the Father does. It's what he'll do. Every tear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what does it look like to seek God? Still on this first point. I'm going to be hours on this point. So what does it look like? It starts with dissatisfaction. It starts with an internal hunger to know God better. It, start, it might start with an ang- some anger around an unjust situation. It could start with a, a, a conviction about a matter. Only God can sort this out. It could start with a sense of invitation to find God's presence, to find God's solution, to find God's breakthrough. There's something going on. There's a bit of a, it's a bit of a dance, if you like. We're told in Isaiah 45, verse 15, that God invites us into this. But it also says this, Isaiah 45, 15, says that... Um, Truly you are a God who hides himself. Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Saviour. Have you ever thought of that? Why would he do that? Why would God hide himself? He's a God who's seeking us and at the same time doing what? <laughs> One of the, my big bugbears as a preacher is when people oversimplify what God is like. They make him so much simpler 
and duller than the most dull human being. You think, no wonder I'm not inspired to pray. Because they just caricature God with his one-dimensional comments about him. I tell you, there are layers and dimensions. He's utterly faithful, but he's always surprising. And so he seeks us out and finds us, and then he says, no, I'm going to hide from you as well. Now, why would God do that? Why would God hide from us? What's going on there? What's the dynamic there? Well, he knows what he's doing. He always knows what he's doing. As we go through this sermon, hopefully it will become obvious what's going on. But that's what seeking God is. Okay, It's more than just looking. It's more than just asking. It's there's a sense in which you go, oh, oh. you know, no, is it just me? But there's moments where you go, hold on a minute. God, thank you for what you've done. But, you know the but? Where you're like, I'm hungry for more. Or, you know, it's just like, Lord, you say you make these amazing promises and I've definitely seen the fulfillment of some of them. But there's a whole load I feel like it's all out there for me to step into, for us to, you know, and you think, Lord, and something in you goes, I want to set my face to seeking after you more. It's exciting. It's not a heavy thing. No one's putting it on you. It comes up from the inside where you go, "I, I think there's more. And God says, there is. Can you find me? And it might involve, what did it involve for this woman? It might involve turning the lamp on at night. It might involve moving the furniture. It might involve some things, but it's this, there's this anticipation and the expectation, which brings us on to number two, which is, I'm going to try and assure you that the time and the effort are well spent. Let me read you some promises about seeking God. Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to this for a promise. If you're taking notes, you can just write down. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. He's speaking to the people of Israel. They're in exile. They're under his judgment. Um, but God's always got a good plan for his people. Amen? Even in, the, even in the most awful seasons, I tell you what, even the most difficult seasons under his providence, where the clouds feel thick and dark, there's no way through. I tell you what, behind all of that, there's the smiling face of God's providence. He's always got good plans for his people he is good he is faithful he is covenanted to do us good always no question he says this he says i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope then you see he's assuring them well once there's that sense of assurance you see he says then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and i will hear you listen to this you will seek me and find me when you seek me with there's something about seeking with involves all of your heart. You say, I'm a, I'm a Lord. It's like you've been invited onto an adventure with God and you go, oh, wow, you know, it feels a bit like I'm out on a limb, but I know that the Lord has initiated this. He's, he's, he's sparked something inside of me by his spirit and then he's gone and hid. He loves doing that with his children. Any of you ever, with your kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, played hide and seek? Great fun. It's a sense of anticipation. It's a God who hides. He's a God who hides. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, See, can you will? It's an amazing promise. When I was a youth worker, I got a can of spray paint in the, kid, in the youth room and, I, and, I, and I, all along the, the, the top of the, the wall around the whole room did Matthew 7 verses 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. 
Amazing promises of Scripture. Seek and you will find. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And that word there, seek there, it means search him out. What does it mean for God to reward those who search him out? Here's what it means. It means that, it means that the thing you're seeking for, guess what? You find it. Which means that if you hadn't sought, you wouldn't have found it. Why? Because it's a reward. It's a reward. Easter egg hunt's coming up in the next few weeks, right? Oh, sorry, the kids have gone out. Sorry. I wonder, why is the blank? Why is there no one getting up? Why no excited noises? Come on. So you hide the Easter eggs, but you have to do something to get the eggs, right? You can't just sit there and expect them to start popping out of the sofa and wherever else you put them. You've got to go and find them, and the reward is what? The eggs. The reward is get the kettle on. We found some eggs. Tea and chocolate. Woo! It's a reward. But you have to do something. Seek and you will find. It's worth it. But you know what? The reality is, we've got to be honest about it. It's all based on his promise. I've just read to you promises. So he better be faithful or else none of this really counts for anything. There's one thing the Bible says God can't do. What is it? Lie. The Bible says that the whole of the universe is upheld by his powerful word, which means there is utter integrity and power. There's utter integrity to his word. If God were to lie, the whole thing falls apart. Literally, if God were to lie, I was meditating this the other day, I was going, this is extraordinary. I'm saying my front room, I'm looking outside, and I think everything I'm looking at is at this moment being held together by his powerful word. Totally based on his faithfulness, all based on his, his characteristics of total integrity. He cannot lie. And so if God makes promises, you can rest your weight on them. In fact, it's the only way to live. It's a wonderful way to live. Terrifying sometimes. Nerve-wracking sometimes. Sometimes you go, oh, how long, oh Lord? You do. Sometimes you're utterly clueless as to what's going on and what he's doing most of the time fact there's nothing like it you said we're seeking God sure we've got to make plans we've got to organize but we're not deifying those things we're not putting our trust in those things all of it is done with an eye to Lord what are you doing you see we're we're seeking we're trusting that God is faithful his whole reputation depends on his faithfulness his whole reputation so you might ask, well, why, why, why does God do it like this? Why, why? Why would God set things up in this way? He's seeking us out, then he's hiding from us, and he's making us promises, and he's faithful to them, but they never work out in exactly the way they thought they would. What's going on here? Well, through this process, guess what? Our hearts are purified. Through this process, guess what? Our mind is renewed. Through this process, guess what? Our motives are revealed. And you get to know yourself a bit better. And you go, oh, okay, Lord, thanks. That's really been helpful seeing that. I can get a bit straight there. Through this process, our character is both tested and strengthened. Through this process, the object that we're seeking him for becomes increasingly valued in our heart. It matters to us more and more. When God gives it, we'll really care about it. Through this process, lesser things that shouldn't have the place they do in our heart are demoted. And through all of those things happening, God is increasingly glorified. It's the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. 
There's something built into the human soul that has to pursue something. Pursue or die. Go after something or, do you know what, just sit, sit life out until it's done. When someone's just sitting things out, something's gone seriously wrong. Something's gone really wrong in the soul. Maybe discouragement has hit so deep. The Lord, if that's you, if you just feel like I'm just sitting things out, you know, the Lord wants to bring such, such mercy and compassion to you today. Sometimes you see it, don't you, when you watch actual races. Someone gets injured and they just, they're just sitting on the side. And all of that hope and desire you saw at the start of the race, they're just sitting there, head in, the, head in their hands. You think, ah, oh, they've, they've been injured. What happened there? Our God is a healer. Our God is a healer. And if you just think, I'm, I'm out of the race, I tell you, the Lord wants to touch you and heal you and get you back on so you can finish strong. We all have dodgy seasons, don't we? You all have seasons you're back and you think, thank you, Lord, that's over. <laughs> all of us do. He is faithful. He is so, so faithful. And so we might as well pursue things that are going to last. Amen? Last forever. So I hope I've assured you that the time and effort are worth it. And I want to finish just by essentially calling us as a church to seek God. We live in a time of great shaking. <coughs> if you just think back over the last decade or so, lots of things have been shaken. Think back to the financial, global financial meltdown in 2008. Think back to even seeing things on our screens like the ISIS. Do you remember the ISIS stuff? All of that. We saw horrific things, things we never thought we would see in our day and age going on. It was awful, terrible things. Brexit and all of the political polarisation, the animosity, the atmosphere, the constant, constant arguments, the coronavirus, all different shakings, the shakings of the Me Too stuff, stuff being exposed, coming out, Black Lives Matter. These are huge shakings going on in our world. Now freshly war in Europe, rising costs of living, where's it all going to go? The Bible gives us understanding about these things. It's not the end. It's not the end. Listen to how I can tell you it's not the end. Matthew 24, verses 5 to 8. Jesus said, Many will come in my name, saying I am the Christ, and will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, so that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. So they're significant. They're part of the birth pains of the old creation getting ready to give birth to the new heavens and the new earth. So it's significant spiritually what's going on. But we, I, don't think that, I don't think we're in the moment where we're any minute now. I think, I think things, there's going to be far greater birth pains to come, unfortunately. But I think there will be, um, there, there's, there, there's more that will come. I want to say to us in light of all of this, and so much other things we're just facing personally, let us seek God. Let us put aside things that you think, do you know what? It's just a waste of energy. It's a waste of energy. Let us get into the excitement and the wonder and the adventure of searching for the one who has hidden himself in order that he might be found by us. Let's, let's get rid of stuff that dulls our spirits. Stuff that, you know, you just think, you know what, that might not even be a sin. The Bible says, throw off the sin 
and everything that hinders, which means there are, there are sins we've got to get rid of, but there's also stuff that just hinders. You go, no one could look at you and say, that's sin from the Bible, but when you look at it, you go, do you know what, that really weighs me down. It could be like certain worries. It could be just certain, even things you're into. You go, do you know what, that's just, I can't run for Jesus when I'm, when I'm caught up in that. You know what, God gives such grace to us. When we, when we turn to him and say, Lord, I don't want that anymore. He gives such grace to enable us to walk away from that stuff. You've found that, haven't you? When we're kind of entertaining it, and there's no grace from God in in that moment because we're kind of in our heart, we're welcoming it. But when we say, Lord, you know what, enough. He gives such grace and such power to just pull us out. There is is real genuine breakthrough walking with God. You know that. He really does do extraordinary things. I want to ask us to... By way of finishing, to, to pray for our government as a church. There's way too much careless, negative, silly talk about the government. If you're doing that, do you know what you're doing? You're actually missing out on your inheritance as someone who is called to pray for, with genuine authority, the government. Why? That it might go well with us as a nation. We've got to put that off. That's, so, that's childish. It's, it's, un- doesn't con- it's not constructive. It's merely human. We've been, we are still human, but we're no longer merely human. We've been born of the Spirit. We've got a place to take in terms of praying for those in authority, that they will have wisdom. So I want to call us, let's seek God for our government. Say, Lord, please bless them. Please give them the wisdom they need. I tell you what, I, I think it must be a really, really complicated thing to lead a country. Lots of layers to it. Am I right? It's too easy to criticise, isn't it? It's too easy. Don't do that. Pray. I want us to call us to pray for the lost, to seek God for the lost. I don't know why God in his sovereignty has ordained that he will work through believing, faith-filled prayer, but he has. Let's pray for the lost. Let's pray. Let's pray. I, th- I, th- I really do, I honestly think that it is a shaking and testing time for the church as much as it is for the world. And I think that the church will either, or individual members of, of Jesus' church, will either really step in or step out. I don't think you can kind of sit in an ambivalent kind of mm, posture in these days. I just don't think you can. I think you say either we are going to learn to walk in and access the power of God and step into the promises with faith and really go for this. Or let's do something else. I don't think you can kind of sit halfway through. Let's pray for the lost. I don't know about you, my, my heart's longing is to hear the cry among us as a church of that, 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 that first cry, like just coming out you know, in a labour ward, that Jesus is Lord. You know, someone's got born again. They've just seen Jesus. That's a work of God. That'll take the church seeking. That'll take some prayer. Why? Because every soul that is one for Christ that's been pulled out of the kingdom of darkness, there's a battle that goes on there. There's a battle that goes on when someone gets saved because the enemy does not like to give up his grip. Church, I want to call us to seek God for the lost and finally to seek God for the church that we would flourish and not fade away, that we would go from strength to strength. There's something 
about the church, whereby the, the power of God is at work among us, whereby even things sent to ruin or destroy her, somehow God will turn for good if we will have eyes to see and ears to hear. And even though we might walk through trials and tests, we think, God, oh, this is really hard. We don't come, we come through it more glorious than when we went into it. It's just the mercy of God. It's just the gospel. It's just the way it goes, folks. After the cross comes a resurrection. It's the gospel. After the death comes life. It's just the way it goes. And so just to end with a personal encouragement, I always just sort of say to myself, whenever I'm going through a trial, I say, all I've really got to do is hang in there. Because in Christ, we get, always get the victory. We always get the victory. Okay, we always come out and we go, God, you're faithful. But some, if we lose heart and pull away, then we don't experience that resurrection from that season. We find that we just, our heart gets sick. You know? You know what I'm talking about? Your heart gets, and you, you go, whatever it is, the, 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 the thing that didn't happen or did happen, that you didn't want to happen, or whatever it is, gets in and you go, ah, and you stay there. No, no, keep your heart. The Bible says, above all else, keep your heart. Look after it, for from it flow the springs of life. And say, Lord, don't understand all that's going on. I want to trust you. I'll tell you what it will bring you through. You'll be glorious and you'll be shining. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing a song which is essentially the Lord's Prayer to music. Um, we're going to just, and I want to, I want to say, look, today, let's start seeking him. As we sing these words, it is a song, but it's not so much a song of praise. It involves that. It's actually, it's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come quickly. Your will be done the same. On earth as it is in heaven. I've forgotten the rest of the lyrics, but they'll come up. But they're great. So why don't we stand? And let's, let's, those, you know, let's, let's allow that spirit of prayer to begin to rise up in us. So yeah, Lord, we want to seek your face. We want to see you do great things. Amen. Amen.